And welcome in, everybody. This is The Shorts Farmer, Season 1, Episode 5. And we have a really special guest here today. We have Rochelle, who runs the CSA for Field to Fork to Hema County. And we're really excited to have her today. In fact, uh, full disclosure, we do supply some duck eggs to her uh, for the CSA. And so she kind of is doing this as a favor to me, and we really appreciate it. And uh, we're just so super excited to have her. So thanks for being here, Rochelle. Thank you for having me. So this is Rochelle. She is the owner of Field of Fork Tehama. Her family moved to the area when she was about 15. Then she moved and traveled a few years after high school and returned to the area and met her husband, Jake. She is a mom to two incredible girls and an amazing 17-year-old stepson. She grew up all over California, mainly on the coastline, and her dad owned a cedar and redwood lumber yard, and she spent much of as much time as she could there. After high school, she managed the mill until she moved. Uh, she had self-employed parents and was convinced that she did not want the pressures of owning her own business. However, after enjoying a lot of adventures, Working for nonprofits and different industries, she knew it was in her blood to follow her dream and start her own business that would not just help support her family, but also be able to give back to the community. And that's where we find her with the Field of Fork Tehama. So Rochelle, just to give everybody kind of an idea, what was the initial drive for a food-related and even more specifically a community-supported agriculture business? Um. So I, I guess first and foremost, it's because I love food. Um, I grew up in in a very foodie family. Um, and then both Jake and I grew up in different, but both agriculture families. Um, we, or I had looked into CSAs in the past, but with a traditional model, you had to pay for three to six months up front. And we couldn't really afford that much up front at the time. Um, and, and that's a really big commitment. I was worried that we wouldn't like it if we did sign up for one. So it, it was something that we never got to enjoy. Um, so we just went to farmer's markets and did that. And then when I was pregnant with our first daughter, I wanted to be a stay-at-home mom. Um, we looked into daycare costs. And after taking those costs out of what I would have been bringing home, it just made sense to look at how we could cut our budget. Um, and the first thing I looked at was the grocery bill. And I realized that most of our grocery money was being spent on produce. So we started going to farmer's markets and I just, the, the taste of food grown local to you is so different than what you buy in the grocery store. Um, so I was just one night thinking, wouldn't it be nice if there was some kind of CSA where you paid just by the month or by the week. And that's kind of how the idea grew from there. That's, that's a great, that's a great point. I really liked how you said that your family was spending a lot of money on produce because really, if you think about the average American family, I would say that's not the case. And I would say that that's one unique aspect to you, especially in your family was that, you know, you were already on the healthier choice paths and being able to focus on those things and being able to bring those to not only your family, but the community, I think, were, was a great focus. Yeah. And, and the other part of it was we we bought a lot of produce because I thought it was cheaper to eat 
heavy in vegetables and produce. Um, but I think what most people don't realize is when you're buying it, you have to weigh it to know how much it costs. And then you really, it, it, it's not like buying a box of something or a package of meat where it has the price right on it. So you're kind of fooled into thinking you're not spending that much, much on, on something you're throwing in a bag and in your cart. Absolutely. Absolutely. So what is it about quote real food that makes you passionate? Um, so it just tastes so much better. And there's this myth that eating healthy or real food is, um, is more expensive and it's not true. You actually end up saving a lot of money if, if you're cooking, um, your meals yourself and not buying them in a box. It goes a lot farther. Um, the other aspect is you don't need a whole lot to make a meal that tastes like it came from a restaurant. If you're using good ingredients, you only need a few things and they add all the flavor. If you buy something in a box, you need to season it and, and spice it up, I guess you would say. And, and it still doesn't taste as good as, as something that's grown in the ground or, or raised, um, from someone local for beef or pork or whatever kind of meat you enjoy. Um, and the other thing is just the term real foods has always just really bothered me. Um, I, I think it's just food. It's good food as opposed to processed food or, or food that comes in a box or um, just something with a whole lot of ingredients you can't even pronounce to me is not food. So the fact that we've gotten to a place in our society where we have to use the term real food to describe that something that grows naturally is just kind of baffling to me. Absolutely. It, it, two things come to mind when you were talking about that. One was the fact that my wife has always said, and I really love this part of, of her personality, she said, well, you can pay more up front for the really good produce and the really good food unless at the end when at the end of life when on your medical bills or you can pay less up front right now and pay a whole lot more on the on the end of life care because of of the choices you made up front so i think exactly i think that's a really valuable lesson for everybody to take home yeah and and when you eat that way it just it not only physically makes you feel better but your mind is more clear and you just feel a little lighter in your step and i mean Food has such influence over us mentally and physically. Absolutely. So what do you feel is an advantage to your delivery service over the traditional farmer's markets that you were patroning before you started this? You know, we didn't plan on being a delivery service. Um, we were looking at a place, trying to find somewhere to be a pickup spot in town since we live outside of town. And, and at the same time, we didn't want people randomly showing up anytime they wanted to our home. Um, so we started thinking like the first month we would just do deliveries. And it began where people started signing up because we did deliveries. So we decided just to roll with that. Um, and, and I know when I was working full time, we didn't go to farmers markets or, or, or places like that because we just, I didn't have as much free time as I did before. So I think it's such a convenience for people. Um, it's just another way to access local foods. Do you, do you feel like there's any disadvantage for your direct field to fork system over the traditional farmer's market? 
I do. There's a, a connection and a community that's made at farmers markets. Um, now that we've grown, I'm not doing the deliveries myself anymore. I have employees that do that. Um, when I was doing it, I was able to directly talk to customers and, and I really got to get to know them, what they like, what their kids like. Um, and you build friendships that way. And that's something I really miss. And that's something you do get at the farmer's market. And people can ask the farmers themselves, you know, how should I cook this? How did you grow this? What is your favorite vegetable that you have today? Um, and there's just food connects people and the delivery aspect of it kind of kind of takes a connection away, but we try to make up for it in other ways. Yeah. And, and for all those out there that are listening, especially local, I just wanted you to know that despite what Rochelle is saying, she's excellent at communication and she provides a newsletter and she takes on comments and, and critiques and has done a fantastic job with all of that. So I can tell you that she makes it as communi- communicative as, as she can. So well, thank you. That's that's definitely the case. So, uh, what do you feel is your biggest strength as a business? Um, I, I think that we're able to connect people with local foods that may not necessarily have the the time or want to put in the effort to go out and search for it. Um, we try to make it as easy as possible for for everybody to have access to it. Um, you know, we're bringing it right to them. And we, in addition to being able to get produce and proteins, we also have a really big list of items that they can add on to their orders each week. So if they need cheese or butter or eggs or milk or dry beans, honey, I mean, the list goes on and on. We're really lucky with where we live that there are so many things produced here. Um, so if you're eating real foods, um, you can almost skip the grocery store because of us. Absolutely. We, I can just tell the listeners, you know, personally, we order a protein box uh, or a protein add on to our box, as well as our normal box, plus a uh, gallon of milk every week. Uh, and I can tell you that without the, the gallon of milk and the protein, we really honestly don't have to buy anything at the store other than just our everyday, you know, lunch stuff for the kids and things like that. So it's really a huge advantage for us. In fact, I don't think since we joined your CSA that we bought a single protein thing at the store. Oh, so that's good to hear. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's an amazing, it's an amazing box and, and we truly, we truly enjoy it. And I also like the fact that, like you said, you have all of those add-ons. It's, it's an amazing list of things, way too numerous to, to list here. But what we'll do is we'll put a link to, Rochelle's website underneath the podcast so you guys can look it up and see for yourself um, all the amazing things that they offer. And really, it's a blessing, as you said, to be in California and to have all of these abilities to have food grown locally, literally year round, and be able to, to partake in that. It's just a huge blessing, unlike where I'm at now in Nebraska, where it's, (laughs) you know, eight degrees and nothing is growing. So... Yeah. And, and, you know, there's, there's kind of a learning curve to it. It's not that you get your first box and all of a sudden you just know how to use everything and utilize everything and you no longer have to go to the grocery store. If, if you're somebody that 
is not eating a lot of produce on a regular basis or you're tending to eat at restaurants a lot more and you're trying to cut back, um, it, it takes a little bit to incorporate that into your life. And, and that's fine. But I find when we get customers like that, they tell me that every week gets better and better for them. So Absolutely. And, and one of the things I really like actually is kind of the challenge of using all of the things that you provide because there are things in there that are unique and things that you don't always think to pick up at the grocery store. And, and there's things you can't get at the grocery store that you can get from local farms. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, just to switch gears just a little bit, what do you think is your biggest weakness currently as a business? Um, our biggest weakness is that, you know, we're, we're working with small farms, so it, it's hard not being able to plan in advance. I mean, we get a list on Wednesday or Thursday from the farms and we're trying to let our customers know by Friday what's in there. Um, sometimes we have to get one item from two or three farms just to be able to fill the orders. Um, you know, we're, we're not, we're not like HelloFresh or Blue Apron, um, where we're really big and we have all this technology and all these employees to help us, you know, we're, we're small and learning and, and going, you know, changing as we go to, to format with more customers by the week. Um, so that's, that's kind of a struggle. And then creating boundaries, um, having a business that is, home-based and then connecting with your customers where I feel like they're my friends if they call at seven o'clock at night and I, I want to answer their questions right away. So that, that's kind of been a struggle too is, is creating those boundaries of, okay, at five o'clock is my time with my family and not feeling like I'm letting customers down if I don't immediately respond to an email. Yeah. And I can, I can understand the pressures that would be involved with that. I can tell you that I, I have been really fortunate to have experienced your CSA because honestly, we went with a different CSA, a larger CSA to start with. And we were really disappointed because the deliveries were supposed to be next day or, or two days at max. And they, were arri- mm-hmm. and they were arriving four and five and six days later and the food wasn't good anymore. And we complained several times and they said, well, we're not responsible for the post office and all these things. And Jen was like, there's got to be something more local. And that's where we found Field to Fork Tehama. And Yeah, and our model isn't perfect for everybody, but we take a lot of pride and we work. Well, we, we kind of the motto is collaboration over competition. So if we have somebody who's asking us questions and they're not sure, we let them know about all the other CSAs in the area too. You know, what farms that are in their town that that might be able to meet their needs better than we can. Because at the end of the day, that's kind of what we all want is to see farms have success. And that's one of the things I've really enjoyed about Tehama County is the fact that uh, a lot of the farmers and ranchers and things like that, they're willing to help. They're willing to share information. They're willing to share knowledge. And I think, I think in the end game, we're not all competing. There's, there's so many people for food that it's, it's inevitable that we're going to cross paths and we're going to work together and we're going to be able to feed America. I mean, that's, that's the only way teamwork is the only way. Yeah. I mean, everybody eats, so there's a potential in every single person being your customer, but 
it, it seems everybody has a, a model that's just slightly different to where it's not really competing with one another. Absolutely. Can and, and speaking of that, can you can you tell us a little bit about your other business, the Crescent Meat Company? Yeah. So we uh, we realized pretty quickly that um, we needed to find more suppliers for beef. Um, I, I know I've heard you discuss it about USDA um, for processing meat on on a previous podcast, but to be able to sell cuts of meat direct to consumers, it has to go through a USDA butcher and there's very few of them. So we found that there was very limited supplies of, of people being able to sell just the cuts of meat to us and not a whole steer at a time. Um, I married Jake, who is a third generation cowboy and his family grew up ranching and, and owning cattle um, more on the commercial scale, but it kind of just fit that we started to raise our own steers. So I contacted the closest USDA butcher that, that does beef and we've started a really good relationship. He really helps us out with what we need. And so for the last two years, we, we have had our own beef, um, which led into starting Crescent meat company, which is named after a company, his great grandfather started in the late 1800s here in California. Wow. That's amazing. And then uh, can you tell us about the the expansion to the farmer's markets in San Diego? Yeah. So my parents live in San Diego County and my dad is somebody who I can't see retiring because he just, he can't sit still. He wants to retire, but it scares him. So we started talking about um, them going to farmers markets with our beefs. There are at least one to two farmers markets in San Diego County every single day, all over the place. Um, so I reached out to the county ag department down there and the farmers markets down there, and they were all very open to have us there. There's no USDA butchers down there, so there's really nobody selling beef at farmers markets in San Diego County that, um, I think there's one other person that they heard of. Um, so we decided that we would try and we're going to start at one market and slowly build up and maybe end up at three or four markets. And then we're, we were at the, the market here in Red Bluff on Saturday mornings. Um, we've taken a little break, but we're hoping to be back there mid April, beginning of May when we get more beef in stock. Excellent. Well, that's so exciting to have an expansion plan. And, uh, yeah, I mean, for people that don't, people that aren't in California, San Diego County is literally the bottom of California and we are in Northern California. So it's no small task and no small feat for her and her parents to be able to do that. Yeah. It's a, it's a 10 hour drive. Um, but we, we did a test run and we can, we can make it down there with, with everything frozen solid. And, um, you know, for, for anybody that knows me, family is the most important thing. So being able to start a business that is very family based and then start this other side business and include my parents as well is, is kind of ideal for me. Awesome. Uh, can you tell us just a bit about your passion for the foods that are consumed in schools? I know you have a huge passion for 
what is consumed in schools and how kids are are consuming that. And I would love to just let the listeners hear a little bit more about that. Yeah, so I think there's a big disconnect right now with with adults and kids and knowing where their food comes from and adults just assuming that kids don't want healthy foods, um, which isn't the case. So my daughter, she used to eat everything. And then she went to preschool where they have the grants that provide the different snacks and lunches at school, which are all usually highly processed. And then all of a sudden my daughter who used to consume butternut squash like crazy would no longer touch any kind of vegetable. Um, And I mean, I don't have a scientific study to back it up, but just from knowing her, I'm convinced it's because she got a taste of these high in sugar processed foods. Um, And the school's are not really providing the healthy foods needed. And there's such a difference in taste that I think if they did get the kids more involved in school gardens and local farmers in providing more foods that the flavor is so different in lettuce that comes from your local farm as opposed to wilted lettuce that comes in a bag, that kids would start eating more healthy and feel a connection to what they eat. And I think that's a huge step in the right direction if we could get that to be accomplished, because as most people know, you know, this, this is a farming podcast, but I'll go into a little bit of medical real quick. It's just the fact that, you know, if kids start out on those high fructose, high sucrose foods, then it's more prone to have obesity and you know, just obesity in adulthood. And it's just, it's not a good foundational start for kids for life in general. Yeah. And and I think they come back after lunch to their classrooms and they're just tired and dragging. And if they had a more healthy option, I think it'd be more easy for them to finish out their day. Um, Right now, kids just think food comes from a store. And they don't understand anything behind that. Right. So where do you see Field the Fork in the next five to ten years? So we have we have projects we've been working on and and some of them have kind of been put to the wayside. Um, so maybe like in a year or two they'll come out. But we have a really big barn. So we've been in the process of converting one end of it into a greenhouse so we can grow tomatoes and summer produce in the wintertime. Um, there, there's nowhere that we're aware of north of Sacramento that that's currently doing that. Um, so that's one project. We've been working on it for about two years and have just ran into a few hiccups with COVID and shipping and, and trying to get the materials. Um, other thing is we spent a couple months in Austria and they had this amazing, I mean, they were doing the the field to fork and farm to fork dinners way before I had really heard of them. Um, but in the summertime there, they have their farms turn into restaurants. And the only thing they can serve, everything has to come from that farm. And I just always thought the atmosphere and the food was so amazing when we went and visited these farms that 
I wanted to start up some kind of field to fork dinners and then they've become popular here. So I would love to be able to host like a bi-monthly or quarterly dinner here with traveling chefs that, you know, visit from somewhere not in our area to, to kind of just give us something new and different. That would, and then, yeah. And then of course, you know, just continue to grow our baseline and, and be able to deliver into more areas. Um, eventually, if we can figure out how to do it with USDA, we really want to be able to accept um, SNAP benefits because we do think that there shouldn't be any roadblocks to being able to access local food. Can you say a little more about that? So um, our model is not your typical model for a CSA and we have attempted to accept SNAP, which is the, um, the food stamps, as most people know it by, but it's to be able to accept SNAP or EBT benefits. And USDA now had it where CSAs could accept those. Um, the problem is most CSAs do, do the three and six month memberships. And with those benefits, you can only pay for two weeks at a time. Um, so it didn't work with them. So we thought we would be the perfect match. But because we are technically not producing any of the produce ourselves and are just a middleman, they didn't know what to do with us. Um, so they sent us like a 15-page list of things we needed to do. And, and some of them were for permits that don't even exist in our area. So we kind of just put that on hold. But with COVID, we're seeing a lot of changes. Um so we're just kind of keeping our eyes on it to see how it changes and, and see if we can now fit into that that model to get approved to accept those benefits. Excellent. 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 Well, thank you for being with us today. It was such a great experience. And I hope we get to talk with you again as you continue to expand and get to promote you some more. Uh, again, <laughs> again, if anybody would like any information we are going to put the link so we would love for people to sign up and be a part of the csa for field to fork tehama and the crescent meat company if you're in san diego county be looking for them and be buying some of their wonderful beef i can tell you firsthand it's excellent so um we look forward to promoting you and and we love we love the the idea and and we'll continue to be a, a very supportive customer Thank you very much. And thank you for having me on your podcast. I really appreciate it. Thank you. It. Have a great night. You too.